Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. I was not quite 17 years old when I met Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior and my Messiah. And it was but moments after my encounter with the living God that I opened up the scriptures to Romans chapter 8. By the way, I'd never read the Bible up until that time. And I used Romans 8 as a means of engaging God through prayer. And Romans 8 is just jam-packed with truth. And I began to use those truths as the very content of my prayer life to God. Over time, I would come to find out that this is a very normal Christian thing to do, is to use the Bible, the scriptures, as the bedrock foundation um, truth for all interaction with God. Uh, God wrote it, God spoke it, and so it's not going to return to Him void when I praise it back to Him and I pray it back to Him and I prophesy it back to Him. And So yeah, I was taught that this is the right thing to do, and rightfully so. The New Testament is incredible. Even the Bible at large is the truth of God, and it's so good to remind God of these truths and to pray it and praise it and prophesy it back to God. But I was cautioned to stay away from the book of Psalms and to use the book of Psalms exclusively to praise God, but not to use the book of Psalms as really a platform for prayer with God because the psalmist is just too human. He's not really in the spirit. He's fleshy. He's solical. He's selfish. He's a whiny kind of a person. He wants eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth and vengeance. And he thinks like the carnal man. And so I was cautioned. Uh, use the book of Psalms exclusively as a way to praise God. But don't you dare pray the, the, the words of a raw even an ugly David back to God, because that uh, is old covenant. That is just fleshly, and that will avail and amount to nothing in your engagement of God. And so for years and years, I shied away from the book of Psalms, even though I love singing the book of Psalms. And by the way, if you've never listened to Integrity Hosanna's albums that were so famous in the 80s and 90s that took so much of the Bible and particularly the book of Psalms and put it into song, um, you're missing out. Have a look at that. Um, I listened to Integrity Hosanna in my younger years in the Lord, and I just memorized so many phrases from the Psalms uh, regarding the praise and beauty and majesty of God. It's just spectacular. But we don't hear too many songs 
about the raw, real, and even ugly, fleshly, carnal David in the book of Psalms. I was taught to pray the, the prayers of Jesus in John 17. Now, that's a spiritual prayer. That is the real truth. I was taught to pray the truths and prayers of Paul in Ephesians 1 and in chapter 3 and in Colossians chapter 1. That is a spiritual prayer. That's the new covenant prayer. And rightfully so, those are the prayers that touches on God's eternal purposes and just the depths of God's love, etc., etc. But will you know it that Christ was also like the psalmist and even Paul was like the psalmist at one time, raw and real, exposed and vulnerable before God? You may remember Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Father, if it is at all possible, let this cup pass me by. And he prayed that three times before the Father. And you can hear the burden of the psalmist in those prayers. And you may even see in the New Testament the anxiety of Jesus, the stress caused him to uh, burst out in bloody sweat. And that, that's the heart of the psalmist. That's the raw and real uh, anxiety that we find in the book of Psalms. Uh, you remember Jesus on the cross quoting Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If that touches the truth of Jesus' inward condition, that's the book of Job. The book of Job is just a complaining. It's a griping it's a confusing book. It's a men in the book, notably Job, are aggravated and frustrated. Oh God, where are you? Why? And again, I've been taught that if you want to be truly spiritual, avoid all those kinds of prayers. But beloved, Jesus no doubt was truthful in his inner man. And I think we can learn something from Jesus and from David. And I think we can learn something from Paul. No doubt, Paul was the most spiritual man ever. No doubt he had a handle on what truth really is. But at one time, he also pleaded with God for a thorn to be removed from his side. Three times he pleaded with the Lord, he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And God just basically told him, no. I'm going to rather strengthen you in grace and, and, and keep you weak and vulnerable. Well, that cry of Paul for God to deliver him, that's the psalmist cry. And that's the truth of his inner man um, being made known before God in prayer. It's not as though God don't know the condition of my inner man, but it's in prayer very convenient often to just quote truth at God, remind him of his promises at the exclusion of me becoming aware of what is truly hurting my heart, what is truly the brokenness in my heart, what is really the ugly, if you will, in my heart. Beloved, the book of Psalms has been the prayer book of the Christian church for millennia. And I, too, have used the book of Psalms as a book of prayer. 
But yeah, I made the mistake for the longest time to just look at the bright side of the book of Psalms and the truths about God. But I never cared to pay attention much to the truth of the psalmist, the anguish, the stress, the anger, the hurt, the pain, the frustration of David, because I judged him to be rather unspiritual. You may remember Jesus' words in uh, John chapter 4 to the woman at the well. God is spirit, and those who worship him should worship him in spirit and in truth, because the Father is seeking these kind of worshipers, spirit worshipers and worshipers in truth. And for the longest time, I just thought, yeah, Jesus is the truth. Of course, he's the way and the truth. And the scriptures are the truth, but only the select portions of the scripture that's beautiful. And so if I really want to worship God, I really want to touch God in spirit, I got to focus on those truthful things at the exclusion of the truth of my own heart. But the Lord has been on a journey with me throughout the many years where it's wonderful to know the truth of God, the truth of Romans chapter 8. But God also wants me to worship him and touch him with the truth of my inner man and the condition thereof. In Proverbs chapter 20, Verse 27, the wisdom writer says that the spirit of man is like a lamp that reveals the inward condition of man unto the Lord. And it's there in the inward parts of man that God also wants to look. He's not just concerned about my ways, but he is intricately concerned with the issues of my inward man and it shines before him and beloved when we're in prayer we do have a great opportunity to praise and extol and magnify god absolutely yes to 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 praise god for the truth that he is what he has done what he will yet do absolutely but i think i've missed out and maybe you miss out when we're not also allowing the truth of my inner man to be exposed before God. You may recall Psalm 51, uh, the repentant Psalm of David, where he says in verse 6 that the Lord desires truth in my inward parts. And so, yeah, can I ask you, are you praying the truth of how you really feel when you are engaging God in the secret place? Or are you and I just, as it were, quoting promises and prophesying this and prophesying that? All good, but almost at the denial of the true, raw, and even ugly condition of my inward heart. Psalm 51 verse 6, you desire truth in my inward parts. And there in the hidden parts of my being, the psalmist says, God caused me to know wisdom. 
Cause me to know what is really going on within me. Beloved, that's the way that I'm praying. And that's the way that may the Spirit lead you and encourage you to also explore praying before the Father. The twofold truth, the two-edged truth of of, of of the truth of God, the truth of His promises, the truth of Scripture, but also the other side of the sword, the truth of my own condition before God. Let me give you an example of what that looks like in the book of Psalms. You do not have to read far and wide in the Psalms to see an angry man, a hurting man, a confused man, a man waiting on God, a man that's just frustrated and aggravated. Oh God, where are you? When will you? Etc., etc., etc. And I have determined in my life to not be afraid of the ugliness of my inward man. Because that's what I want to fellowship with God about. Why am I afraid? Why am I frustrated? Why am I angry and bitter and vengeful? Beloved, this is true prayer. Now we're getting to the truth, the bedrock of my inward man before God. And here is an example of a psalm. I don't know if you've read this recently, but I can guarantee you, you've not heard this in the latest, greatest Christian uh, chorus or hymn or just, this is a psalm we're not going to put into a devotional book or into a promise book or um, the number one uh, Christian song for the upcoming year. And it's Psalm 109. And if you are able to turn to this psalm, I just want to show you a couple of verses that are perhaps amongst the more ugliest verses in the Bible. I'm even amazed that this is in the Bible. And you know, we say that all scripture is God-breathed, okay? This is God-breathed, but this is man foaming at the mouth. This is man swearing and cussing, if you will. This is man as angry. So you say, how can this be inspired of God? How can the breath of God, how can the inspiration of God be on this? Well, simply because it was the truth at that given moment for the psalmist, which was David. Um, if you didn't know that already. Psalm 109. Um, this is as raw, as real, as vulnerable, as truthful, as honest, as uh, anything in just about all of the Bible. Um, look at verse 7, Psalms 109, verses 7. Let me just throw out a few verses uh, for you. He prays regarding his enemy. He says, When my enemy is judged, let him be found guilty, and let his prayer become sin. He's basically saying, Lord, may all interactions that that man have with you, may it be reckoned as sin to him. If that man were to ask for mercy or forgiveness or cleansing, Lord, 
don't forgive him. Let, let everything that comes out of his mouth towards you, let it be sin. That's kind of ugly, huh? He says in verse 8, Let the days of that man be few, and let another person take his office. He just wished that person dead. He said, basically, oh, I wish this person dies, and let another man take his office. In verse 9, Let his children be fatherless, and his wife a widow. I mean, what person in his right mind wishes his enemy's children orphans and his wife a widow? I mean, that's ugly. That is as fleshly. That is as raw as it can get. But beloved, it's the truth. It's how David felt at that time. In verse 10, let his children be vagabonds and drifters and let them be beggars. Let them seek bread from desolate places. In other words, I just wish harm on his children. I wish wandering and desolation and destitution <laughs> upon his children. Gosh, when was the last time you cursed uh, somebody's children? But this is how David felt. I'm not saying we should do this, okay? <laughs> I, I think you can hear me. What I'm saying is we should learn from the truth that this man vulnerably uh, there to exhibit before God. He says, um, may creditors come and seize all that he has. And uh, may strangers come and plunder his labors. That is, may they destroy his property and destroy his business. And gosh, it's just ugly. Verse 12, let there be no one to extend mercy to him. And let there be no one to favor his fatherless children. Verse 13, let his posterity be cut off. And in the generation following, let their name be blotted out. So he just curses the whole family. Basically, I want everybody to die. May they no longer be remembered. Just may this family legacy stop here and now. This is how angry, how bitter, how hurting uh, David is. Verse 14, let the iniquity of his fathers be remembered before the Lord and let not the sin of his mother be blotted out. Let them be continually before the Lord that he may cut off the memory of them from the earth. I think you can agree with me. Um, we should not pray like this in public. We should not print this in our prayer books. Then why is it in the Bible? I know it's in the Old Covenant. Yeah. I know David is in the flesh. I know he is operating under the tooth for a tooth and eye for an eye principle. I know he is carnal uh, outside of the character of Christ. I get that. I respect that. But what is so beautiful is that at least the man is putting it all out there before he's God. That he would not do this if he did not trust God can handle this ugliness in his heart. But I want to conclude here in Psalm 109 in verses 21 and verses 22. Um, this is for me so beautiful. And this is what truthful prayer 
and the prayer of truth is all about. Verse 21, but you, O God, the Lord, deal with me for your name's sake. Because of your mercy, your goodness, deliver me. You know, the psalmist here complains about those who have wronged him. And of course, you and I, we can complain before God all day long about those who have trespassed against us. But you do know that the Lord is not going to talk to you about them. In prayer, God only talks to you about you. And here the psalmist says it. But you, O God, deal with me. And I love that. David is, is having a fit about um, those who have opposed him and have wronged him. But I love how he vulnerably comes to this conclusion, God, deal with me. And this is, this is, the, this is the issue of our heart before God. It's not for him to deal with the others, but really to get down to bedrock with me. And also notice here in verse 22, he says to the Lord, I am poor and needy. And a minute ago, he wished his enemy poverty and his children desolation. But now he says, basically, my inward man is miserable and empty and vulnerable and poor and, and needy. And then here are the magical words of Psalm 109, the latter part of verse 22. He says, my heart is wounded within me. Well, there you have it. When he rants, he in a way gets the guck out of him and God can handle the guck. God can handle all of the vileness coming out of this man's heart. You remember when Jesus Christ was crucified, there were two others crucified with him and they reviled him and the one cursed and it's just the Lord can handle it. He, he died for that man with his vile language and his curses coming out of him. But what this psalmist is doing, David, in this case, is what the man on the cross did. He said, Lord, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And I tell you, that is where the Lord wants to bring us, is, is, is to be raw, to be real, to unpack all this brokenness, all this woundedness, so that he can heal our broken heart. What am I saying? I'm not saying you and I should hurl curses like David tomorrow. Certainly not publicly, certainly not to an extended group of people, but specifically, we should get in the habit of doing this before God. Beloved, what I am saying is when you pray, are you just covering up really how you feel before God uh, to try to play this spiritual card? Don't you know that God knows really what's going on and he longs for you to open up that vault and dig into the depths of your being and be truthful with God? Can I ask you, are you just tippy-toeing around the issues of your heart in your prayer life before God? Or are you genuinely, genuinely praying the truth? Then dig into the book of Psalms a bit and find those ugly verses of heart and see if your heart identifies with that and 
bring that as an offering before the Lord and um, watch what happens. Your wounded heart, your poor and needy and pitiful condition will be touched before the Lord and will be healed by the hand of God. Beloved, are you praying the truth? <laughs>